so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Marseille View. Today we've got another jam-packed episode, so we've got plenty of news and views on Olympic de Marseille to cover. Um, my name's Stefan, I'm taking over hosting duties tonight and I'm joined by three guests. As always, we've got Ben. You alright, Ben? Yeah, happy to be back. It's been a while, but I'm um, happy that we, we have some exciting news to cover, potentially. Great. Um, we've also got Mo. How are you, Mo? Hello. Yeah, same same here. It's been a while since I've been on, um, but happy to be here to discuss um, a couple of juicy topics. Brilliant. And finally, I'm, I'm pleased to say we've got the return of Fiorenzo, um, who's back on the pod after quite a long absence. Hi, Fiorenzo, how are you? Hey, he's back. Fiorenzo is back. Yay! No, <laughs> no I'm fine. I'm glad to be back. I think the last time I came, it was like one year ago, I think. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We've missed you. Um, you may not remember, but I think that the last time you were on the pod was just before Rudy Garcia quit, and you said we knew that he was possibly oh, yeah. going to quit that week, and you said that you would write a song for the next episode if he <laughs> quit, and we never got to hear that song. Yeah, I made it actually, but never played it. Oh, it could have been our intro as well at the time. Hmm? It could have been our intro music as well at that time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, well... Never too late. Okay, so um, we've got quite a lot of subjects to cover tonight, actually. It's been a really busy week or a few weeks um, for Marseille, so plenty to talk about. Um, tonight, I think the, what we're going to cover is we'll look at the um, completion of the, the league, so the standings being finalised and some of the recent sort of news around that. We'll look at the Champions League um, and the issues with financial fair play that Marseille have um, recently experienced. I think much of the podcast will probably talk about the recent rumours, like new rumours about a potential takeover. And we've got quite a bit of um, transfer rumours as well that we can touch upon if we get some time. A few other little topics as well that we might kind of quickly cover as well towards the end if we get some time. Um, So just to start off, just thinking about, I know we talked about the league season, how it ended and stuff in the previous podcast and we mentioned that um, Leon President Jean-Michel Olas was um, trying to challenge the the decision by the RFP to end the season early. Um, since we had last podcast, he took him to court. There was a court case which he lost. Uh, Marseille's second place was confirmed. Um, the league standings have been fully confirmed as well. Um, just very quickly, guys, were you at all worried about that case that that it was, you know, that Marseille could find themselves, um, you know, having to complete the season or losing the the position in the league table. 
not not really. I mean, um, I think we, we we discussed it at length in previous podcasts. It was it was more of a futile effort. I think he was in Olas especially was in a process where he'd taken it that far. He had to go all the way. Um, Toulouse and Amiens is the same. I think it was a bit a bit stranger for them because the, the court decided that they would have, the league would have to re-examine their initial decision, but they never actually said that they were cancelling the, the, the relegation. So on the same day as the decision, both clubs tweeted out to say confirmed we're staying in Ligue 1, which was very, very premature and stupid. And now it's been confirmed they're both going down. So I think the main takeaway from an OM point of view for all of this is, yes, second place, but but mainly that Olas has pissed off a lot of people at the league and at the FFF. And hopefully he's burnt his bridges and will start to lose a lot of his influence there. Anyone else? Any, anyone else got any thoughts on that? What about you, Moore? Uh, no, I, I agree. Um, I think, um, well, essentially, you know, they they awarded the title. They, you know, these decisions were taken um, with with all the clubs and in consideration of everyone's um, sort of situation. So, for the court to sort of ratify it, and then the governing bodies to ratify it, I think he had no leg to stand on. So, um, I mean, he can, you know, like we we spoke at length in the in the last uh, couple of podcasts about. Um, you know the, the reasoning behind of you know whether it's probably best to, to continue to play, but you know again it's all it's all via self interest and you know hopefully um, you know people like Ayaz have come out to say um, you know you know like he he's basically made a strategic mistake and a failure and it's only going to affect him and, and next season and the seasons yet uh, yet to come we'll find out just how much his sort of stature is diminished by by this. Um, what about you, Filienzo? Are you um, enjoying watching all us um, suffer at the moment? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> no, uh, first, I, I never talked about that because I, I didn't went on the podcast, the, the few podcasts you, you made about it. So my opinion, I think, I think France took the right decision. You see in uh, some French club and even in Tottenham, I think there there was a case of coronavirus. So I think the the spread is not over. So I think that was a good de- decision. And about Olas, I think uh, his communication is ridiculous. It's a disaster for his club. But you have to know. Well, we're going to talk later, maybe about Mohad Boujelal. But if you want to know, it's the same kind of uh, communication. So if if he comes to Marseille, it's going to be the same thing. So you got to be aware of that. Yeah, and I think that's something that we may, we talked about in our um, group chat before about some similarities between Bujalal and all that some time ago. Um, but yeah, we'll come to him later on. Okay, so just moving on from that, I wanted to talk about the Champions League. So, you know, the... We know that there's been a little bit of uncertainty about uh, what Marseille's position is in terms of whether UEFA are were going to sanction them, whether whether could they possibly even um, refuse the entry to the competition based on their financial issues. I've done that recently to Trabs on Sport. Um, recently, we had um, confirmation from UEFA that Marseille, you know, would enter the Champions League. 
However, we've also um, learned that they have penalised the club, despite the fact that you know they have communicated that there, there is some sort of relaxation of of financial fair play um, because of coronavirus. But they have penalised the club, and we recently learned that they fined Marseille. I think it's three million euros for breaching their settlement agreement, and that they're going to hold back. 15% of any of the income that Marseille are going to get from European competitions for the next couple of seasons. Um, I think I'd read somewhere that that works out about 7 or £8 million, is that right? Um, I don't know if anyone's got any thoughts on that, um, if you know the details. But I guess my question is, do you think that this is bad news for Marseille or do you think that we've got off lightly? Uh, if I can go first... Um... I think it's, well, it's bad news, obviously, but it's going to be really, really worse. If you've seen some clubs uh, in Turkey, I, I guess, that were uh, that was um, uh, pushed out of the Champions League because they had depth. Uh, the, the mainly thing uh, I think about this is that uh, we have financial issues. issues. We have uh, a depth, a lot of depth, but the thing is uh, UEFA just, just ask us to pay 3 million euros so you have financial issues and they try to fix it by giving you well giving them more money so that i think that's ridiculous but yeah that could have been really really worse on that more what about you i know you've had um, to say about this on twitter yeah um i think i mean a lot of people see this as like getting away with a slap in the, uh, a slap on the wrist many of um, sort of OM's detractors sort of think of it like that but I think it's obviously yeah it could have been a lot worse but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit concerned by the financial penalties um, because I think if I'm correct that last year we were already fined um, via FFP um, while that settlement agreement was reached um, I might be wrong so uh, don't quote me on that but um, you know 3 million plus and 15% of anything which is probably another 7-8 million um, and that's on top of any other sort of revenue or player trading sort of figures that have been banded around in terms of like sort of we need to sell 60 million or we need to cut costs etc i mean especially in the context of covid19 it's 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 quite prolific um and i think you know i, I can't really pass judgment unless we've seen the full sort of um, judgment or decision about how um or sort of how deeply did marseille break that settlement agreement that uh, we know that, like traps on sport were banned um, because they were given essentially the full three-year period after reaching uh, after reaching a settlement agreement and didn't basically adhere to any of it. Um, whereas, you know, us, it's only been one year into that agreement, um, a year that we've not been in Europe, a year that we probably should have sold more. Um, but obviously last summer, none of our players or most of uh, the players that should have gone, like Torvan and Samson, um, we couldn't find buyers for them. So you know, maybe we got off sort of luckily on the fact that you know we had tried and if there's not a market for the players what, what more can we do um and in the context of milan um and obviously man city uh, for another case um being banned i think you know there was um you know some trepidation but at the end of the day i mean um you know iro did so about two three months ago that he's very very confident of not being banned in the champions league and i think the temperature was that you know, there will be some penalty, but not the ultimate penalty. Um, but obviously, the decision that was still handed out could could severely hurt us still. Ben, yeah, I agree with Mo and, and Fio. It, it could have been a lot worse. 
but it, it's still not great. Um, what it looks like has happened is that I think the reason Mo you said that Iroh was confident is probably because the dialogue's just been ongoing and it just seems like they've reached, you know, a, like, like in a court case, they've reached an out-of-court settlement agreement to take some of the flack but give us a bit more leg room and head room because we are going to fix it, etc. So God knows what he's promised them. Um, but it's, I think, you, you look at the figures, so 15% of, of any UEFA revenues, that's all the TV money, effectively, and also the prize money, because people often forget this, but in the Champions League and in the Europa League, you get you, you earn money for every win in the group stages and the knockout stage. So, for example, if you win a group stage game, you get a two million bonus per win. A draw is something like 800 grand, and then a defeat is 200 grand. Um, so it's on top of the initial, I think, 50, is it 58 million or something we, we would get in, in terms of TV income for going straight to the group stage. We would be penalised on any, any of that extra revenue for winning games. So it could add up. Touch would, you know, we all wanted to do well, but at the same time, you sort of think, shit, are we better off not just drawing all our games to not have to pay too much money? So it's a bit of a dilemma on that front because if you take all of that into account, it could add up to, you know, up to if we, if we were, for example, to make the last 16, we would have paid out between eight and 10 million in, in, in fines, which is lost revenue, which is a, a kick in the balls. It's a massive kick in the balls in our current situation, but it could have been a lot worse. So you, you, you've got to take it with, with, um, with humility, but also with, with a bit of, you know, relief. And in a sense, maybe we'll look back on this and think, mm, you know, maybe Eero has actually done something good for once, which was negotiate the settlement that, yes, it's painful, but it's a lot less painful than us getting banned because that would have completely destroyed any plans for the next two or three years. Yeah, you're right. But, well, you're right. The only thing to do is to bring back Eddie Bob so we lose all the game in Champions League and we don't pay money to the <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know, this bothered me to be honest. Like I just felt like it doesn't. It seems pretty ridiculous. It doesn't make much sense to to punish clubs who are struggling financially by taking away the income, the earnings that they're going to get from European competition, because those clubs are possibly banking on those potential earnings to um, balance out, you know, their finances, and it, yeah, it's just that isn't going to solve the problem. It's just going to dig those clubs into deeper financial problems rather than help them, you know, sort their issues out. So I just feel like the, this I, this whole, dis, you know, this decision or this whole sort of idea that UEFA's got that it will, like, financially sanction um, clubs who, you know, don't, who, who don't play the rules, don't play the game um, the way that they want them to, then I, I, I just feel like it's just counterproductive. Um, so it really, that really frustrated me. It makes it really difficult, and um, for for any club who's trying to build themselves back, you know, up to a stronger position in Europe to to do that without sort of falling short of um, these sort of penalties. So yeah, I, I just think. It's it's a broken system, and I know we've talked about that in the pod before about financial fair play, and you know a lot of people have got a lot of you know issues about it, and in terms of who who it best serves. But yeah, just that really annoyed me. I feel like it's just it's really not helping us at all. Um, I mean, there must be another way that they can punish clubs 
but that actually helps them get to where they need to be financially. I don't know, but there's got to be some sort of positive way of doing of wanting the clubs to do that rather than to cut their earnings from them. On on top of the earnings cut, they've also removed. I mean, well, not that it's going to bother us too much because we've got a very tight squad as it is. But we've only got we can only register twenty three players instead of twenty five as well. I don't think that makes much of an impact, but I think that's basically we don't have Gregory Sertich, anyway. isn't it, and, and, <laughs> and the goalkeeper that we can't pronounce his name. Yeah. But, but Mo, correct me if I'm wrong. I've, I have read the FPA like document in in length for a couple of years ago. Um, my understanding is now that we've reached a settlement agreement, we basically start from scratch again, which is. If we don't meet it next year, well, they can't re-sanction us because we now re-enter a two-year grace period where we are untouchable because we're already we've already agreed to a penalty, but we also have to get it right in those two years. That's my understanding. So, on that front, that could be positive because it doesn't necessarily it hinders us a lot less from a transfer window point of view because we have a bit of a grace period where if we do generate revenues either from player sales or other, other streams of income, we can go out and actually buy a player and not have to sell our best players necessarily. That's my understanding. Actually, sorry, there was one question I wanted to ask about, which is related to this, is because of these issues, have been seeing many, many stories talking about the knock-on effect of this for Marseille, the fact that um, the club are going to have to reduce the salaries of some of the players or they want to get rid of those players that are on huge salaries you know, even talk about um, certain players like Strutman and so on being released from their contracts just to save them that that cash. And we've also um, seen sort of many of our top players being linked with moves away. I did see, I think, just over a week ago, President Erro said that certain players, I think Tovampai and Mandanda, are safe and that they won't be sold. Do you guys think that we are going to see a mass exodus of the squad as a result of these these financial penalties? Um, probably not. Um, I think first of all, you know, the players want to play Champions League. First of all, they you know they want to stay behind for the fruits of their labour. And I think I can't remember a situation in recent years where players have decidedly, you know, try to force an exit because of the poor situation around the club. That wasn't the case in 2015, and I don't think it's going to be the case um, today. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, COVID-19 has screwed up the transfer market and really plummeted the values of so many players that I just can't see it happening. Um, you know, I mean, considering the, the truncated transfer window, which will be held, you know, for the international transfer window sometime between September and early October. Um, you know, league still playing and not finishing. And obviously, pretty pretty much 95% of our playing squad will be with us for the resumption of the league on season in August. Um, I don't think there'll be an exodus. I mean, as we'll discuss later, I mean, there's so many things up in the air, um, you know, both on and off the field. Um, and with the fact that this... Um, UEFA sanctions has come now and if it's true that there will be a sort of certain grace period um, and with the sort of idea that both UEFA and also the DNCG will both understand that, you know, clubs um, yeah, they, they, they're going to run up a deficit and this is obviously going to be factored into any sanctions. I think there's going to be some breathing period. Okay. Anyone else got anything to add to that? 
No, <laughs> Mo said it all. He's right. Same here. Mo said it all. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Okay, well, I think then we'll probably just move on to the subject that we really want to talk about tonight. So um, I don't really know where to start with this. In last episode that we did, we did talk about the takeover rumours in a bit of detail and the development of those. Lots of bitty information coming from, largely coming from maybe not the most um, reputable sources. And the longer it's kind of gone on, the more people have started to feel like those people, certain people that have been sharing information, releasing information, might be talking rubbish. But this suggestion maybe in the last few days that there might be something there. So I think like... um, Maybe was it just about a week ago, the chat we talked about last time, the, is it Thibaut Vizirian, was saying that something was going to happen. Verizian. right. Yeah. Um, so he was saying that something was going to happen in the next few days, we would hear something, and actually we have heard something. So um, a name who I guess has been linked with us before, Bujilao, he's a former president, I think, was president or owner of um, Toulon Rugby Club, and um, he was both, both, yeah, and yeah, both. He, I mean, he was linked with a takeover with with us, wasn't he? Before McCourt purchased the club, um, he's his name's kind of popped up several times. So it came, I think, at the very start of the 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 rumours that um, that kind of resurfaced a couple of months ago. He his name popped up because he talked about being involved in this project to buy a football club, and it was going to be a project that was going to be you know immense. It was going to be on a large scale, but he, he didn't reveal the details of that. And a lot of people thought he might be talking about Marseille, and it turned out well, it appeared he wasn't talking about Marseille. It was about Toulon, or it was Sporting Toulon, or it was about Atletico Marseille. Then, but now. He's come out and he said that he is involved in a potential move to 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 buy the club and and he's leading a consortium of um, investors from um, the Middle East and um, some prominent Franco-Tunisian figure that is yet to be revealed. There's a lot of sketchy details going around, lots of different sources saying different things, revealing different names and so on, and lots of several things that have been denied. Um, who wants to go first and tell us a bit more about these recent revelations? <laughs> well, it's more like you're, you're the host, Steph. It's do you want it to be a negative start and then build up to something optimistic or the opposite? <laughs> let's, go, let's, who, let's go with... Um, Let's go with you, Ben. Right, I want. Let's see what your take on all this is, because I think um, I think Fiorenzo is going to kill it all for us. But like, yeah, Mo, Mo, we don't know about you, what your opinion is. But <laughs> we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm the only optimist here. I don't know. I'm optimist. No, I wouldn't say I'm convinced it's a hundred percent real and it's going to happen. I'm I'm convinced that something is going on and that it has legs, but there's there's nothing to say, and again, they're all denied it earlier, that the club is for sale. So if they don't want to sell, they won't sell. Pure and simple. Um, what, what what I like about it is I like Bujalal as a character because he's got balls and his, I think even he came out and said it in the press this morning, Bernard Tapie, he said he's the closest thing to myself that you could have at Marseille, which is someone who has the charisma to carry the club and the, the respectability and the credibility. He's a character, we like that. And frankly, 
I'm, I'm salivating at the prospect of him getting into a battle with Olas and screwing him big time because he would beat him at his own game. But it's, as you said, Steph, it's very sketchy at this stage still. There are, there are reasons for optimism because Bujilal has got a reputation and credibility that he can't afford to piss away by going public with, if there's no substance to it. However, it's a very risky move going public like this because if it doesn't go through, he's going to be persona non grata in Marseille and people will be, will be wanting to murder the guy, you know. Um, <laughs> I think personally, and, and it's my final word of, of this intervention anyway on this, is that, that I, I give him credibility because I don't think he talks in the wind for nothing. Um, what gives it more credibility, and again, we, we, I think we'll all have mixed views on this, is Louis Acariès has come out because he's been linked to being his wingman on this. And Acariès obviously was involved in the club before. I think a lot of us have got negative memories from the time because he was part of the so-called mafia with Anigo and all those guys. Yeah, is, However, he, is he not a gangster? I mean, that's kind of the, well, the, the impression that I always you, had of him. Yeah, you look at his main period he of used involvement. To be. Yeah, his main period of involvement was the club was during the Pabzouf years and those were some of our most successful years where we weren't being dodgy, we were making good signings, we had a decent strategy. So if if it's to be in a similar role to he had then, which, let's face it, it seems that he was positive influence then because we were doing well, fine. But he, he did an interview earlier, to, well, actually a couple of hours ago on Europe 1 radio where he said, this is real. It's got legs. It's very early stage, but I'm involved and I would love to see it come to fruition. He's got much more to lose by going public than, than Bujelal has because he's actually you know, a Marseille man and a Marseille uh, prominent influence and figure in the city. So if he's come out and stated that it's real, I, I've got a lot more. It, it, it lends a lot more credibility to it from my point of view. But let's, let's see what happens. So that last point was who, who comes out and says that it's real? Akaryes. Akaryes was on the radio earlier and said that, yes, it's true. There, there is a project. There is an offer that will be made early next week. And he, he is involved as, as speculated. That's what he's come out and said. And do you think that he is a trustworthy source? Yeah. Well, I, I think he's got much more to lose by going public about it than, than someone like Bujalal has because of his influence and, and prominence in the, in the Marseille sphere as, as a Marseille man who has been involved with the club before and who is, who is linked to Shady Carrington, who's probably hoping to a lot of, make a lot of money off the back of this. So if he's come out and, and said that something's going on, I believe him a lot more than Bujelal, um, you know, dropping his pants and putting his balls on the table on, on the TV yesterday. Right, here's a thought, though, um, and this has just sort of popped into my head. You know, if these kind of guys are coming... If this did happen and these kind of guys are coming back, you know, back... They would work and um, and are going to would end up working with the club again. Fuck, what's the risk we're going to end up with Annie go back? <laughs> no, don't say it. Don't say it. Please, that no. won't happen. I don't think that will happen. We do that need a sporting happen. director. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Okay. Um. So yeah, who next? Mo, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. Mo, what's your thoughts on <laughs> the recent? I think news? I think was. I think we're slightly moving um, from sort of positive to negative um, through through the panel. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm as optimistic as Ben. Not massively as negative, um, or I think that's what's to come um, on Fio's side. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, if it happens, it's intriguing. You know, first of all, it's you know. 
the playbook of how to sort of buy a football club has started to already go out the window with you know this news out of the blue. I mean, we 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 we've been hearing for the past couple of weeks that there's some activity, but for it to come out so brazenly yesterday um, was was quite interesting, and um, it's come from very very important figures. At the end of the day, you know, it, it, there's there's still some significant deals uh, detail missing. You know, we don't know who the identity of the buyer is, although Bujalela has said that he's told this to um, Emmanuel Macron, who, who I actually don't know what why he's getting involved in this. Um, he's revealed, um, you know, certain details enough, but not not the main, you know, um, sort of plans or the project details or how this sort of came to fruition. The fact that he's going around to all the medias, all the main radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, suggests this is, you know, a stunt. I mean, he, he says that this is for, you know, strategic idea for Frank McCourt to, to, to you know, be on the defensive and therefore to accept offers. You know, we are serious. We have plans for Marseille. Um, but, you know, as we're seeing in Newcastle um, with sort of a, a Saudi-backed takeover and sort of the difficulties that that has um, enabled, the, the distaste that it has, um, I'm not entirely convinced yet that this is the best solution for us. Um, personally, if it's if it's you know if we are, if we are going to be bought up by state-owned company or funds from state-owned and um, you know funds from sort of the energy, water, and oil space, like as he says, um, you know this could have a myriad of um, problems down the line if it's sort of a consortium with many different people in it as well. Um, what I, you know, I've I've made clear that you know I'm not very against Frank McCourt um, as an owner so far. I mean, obviously the playing situation leaves a, a lot to be desired, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's a businessman. He has maybe ulterior motives with with some real estate in Marseille, but he has come in. He has sort of been a decent custodian to the to the club. He has, you know, put in money. This is one individual who. Will probably you know care for it more than um, a shady or well, at the moment it is shady, um, faceless um, multiple corporations uh, from from the Middle East. Um, you know, yes, I you know they've made some poor decisions, but we we can see that some areas of the club have really really improved. So um, you know we are only in this financial fair play situation because of the failure to sell um, really really well, and that's down to maybe the coaching staff or or the decisions that has been made day to day but frank mccall has been a, a custodian if he if he is if he is if he is saying what he um you know if he puts his money where his mouth is and he comes out and he says that you know our interest is to make Marseille stable we're in it for the long term and he refuses what could be a very significant offer then his words have to be believed and we have to sort of give him credit for that as well. Fiorenzo, um, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether I want to like, say something positive before you destroy my excitement, but I think I'm just going to wait until after you've spoken. Um, so, yeah, Fio, um, can you <laughs> tell us what you think about this whole situation? You know, despite what you all think, um, I really love Bujalal. That's not the point. I really love Bujalal. I know him <laughs> I like a lot because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm from, you know, I'm from Toulon. Uh, I think he bought a rugby club de Toulon in 2006, I think. When he bought the club, the club was in the second division. 
and he bought so many huge players. You know, it was like the the PSG when Qatar came. It was like uh, he recruited Mananonu, he recruited uh, Sonny Bill Williams. There were huge Are players. We, is is Marseille going to sign Johnny Wilkinson for you? Ah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's too old. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, with, maybe with Payet, he's too old like him. No, uh, it's only um, one blonde star we need. I think we all know who it is. Oh, I think I think everyone probably wants it to be Griezmann, don't they? Uh, I thought oh, I was hoping Holland, but hey. <laughs> yeah, why not? No, really, for real. Um, you know what I'm trying to say is um, he put a lot of, um, of money on the club. He, I think Toulon won the 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 Europe, European Cup like five years become he arrived at Toulon. And first Toulon was in second division, so that was huge. The thing is, at, at the end of the, his presidency, uh, the club had a lot of debts. Uh, it was like, yeah, you can compare with Olas. You know, Olas, uh, 15 years back, he was like the, the, the big president. He was uh, really, really good. And now uh, most of the Lyon supporters just want him out. And that's what happened with uh, Bucelal at the end in Toulon. Like the last year, he didn't have enough money. Uh, he had to 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 retire from the club. The the thing is, um, uh, he 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 made a new economic way in rugby. You know, before in rugby, every French club was like forming their own players, their own players, sorry, and selling them just like we are doing in France. And he came and said, no, we can buy uh, big stars. We, he bought a lot of stars and they won everything. The thing is, I really love Bujelal, but the, the thing that bothers me is the, the communication about this offer because he just came out from nowhere uh, yesterday and said, yeah, we have an offer. Uh, it's huge. Uh, we're going to buy OM. Uh, a, a good deal is a discreet deal, I think. And you, you can just scream it like that everywhere. So my thing, well, what I think is uh, his offer is going to be refused or are already being refused. Well, I don't know. I hope it, it's happening, but I'm not really optimistic about this because uh, like Mo said, I think uh, when you have uh, multiple investors, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. We've seen that with uh, Bordeaux. We see that with uh, Nice at one time. So yeah, I, I'm not really optimistic, but I, I think there's a lot of bullshit. Sorry for the word. There's a lot of bullshit on internet. Uh, a lot of people uh, are are giving bad informations. You know, uh, uh, yesterday we heard about uh, 700 million euros something like that and Akaries just one hour ago said uh, that uh, 7 million euros thing was uh, complete bullshit so yeah we're gonna see but I think I think sadly I think Makot will refuse the offer that's my thought okay so you don't think I didn't hear what Akaries said but if, are you saying that the potential move is not as um, financially strong then as we've been led to believe no no all, all I carrier said were the figures were were complete invention and were no him or Bujalal, to be fair never said that figure that that's just yeah. been someone has completely fabricated that figure and and, and those plans um, the only thing I did confirm was this whole thing that the Bujalal apparently has been going on about which is the 
Mediterranean Identity Project, which is to make Marseille the dominating club of the Mediterranean basin. Good luck with that, because you've got fucking Napoli and Barcelona <laughs> to compete with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I like that side of it. He's got a point, and that's, that's a very interesting business plan and, and image to put forward. But um, no, the, the fact is, this is no one knows about the figures. No one knows, first of all, if McCourt is open to selling. Secondly, no one knows how much he would want for it. You would assume that with the deficits and the money he's put into it, you would assume that figure would be around 200 million minimum to just for him to recoup his investment, let alone make a profit. So until we know more about it, Joe's right. And I'm, I'm probably like you, Steph, I'm optimistic, but I'm very measured because we hear it all and we've seen it all in Marseille before. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to think about this realistically. What, what do you think, Steph? Ooh, um, well, I mean, I've been... I mentioned Dent Abdullah a while back and I've actually been thinking about him kind of regularly over the last few years since he was originally linked to us as a potential um, saviour to the mess that we were in. Not because, I mean, I'm not confident because I don't, I don't follow rugby, you know. Like, I didn't, I knew a bit about him, um, about him and, um, and what he did at Toulon, but I don't know. I guess like I'd read a lot mostly from when he was last linked to us a few years back. You know, from I'd read you know other OM fans and forums and stuff talking about his character, and it kind of interested me. Um, you know, as you said, Ben, he's known for being very frank, very candid. So I thought, kind of thought, well, you know, when he said the other day, you know, that he was that he was interested in purchasing the club. That, there must be something there, you know, because I'm not sure this is the kind of guy that bullshits, although I think he does say a lot of stuff. He opens his mouth a lot, and maybe not everything, maybe you want to take as 100% truth, but he is generally quite frank, isn't he, is, is my understanding from, you know, and the things I've read and the articles I've read about him. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah yes. and I think, yes. so as you said, I, I think he has got some credibility attached to him. So, no, I think that I was excited about. I'm also excited about the fact that he's from the south, he's from the south of France, I believe, isn't he? He's kind of relatively local. He he's, understands. He's Toulon born and bred, which is a big problem for a lot of Marseille fans because there's a historical <laughs> rivalry with Toulon. Oh, Toulon. really? Who, mm, yeah. who cares? That was back in the sixties. Toulon were in the third fucking division. It's Jordan Amavi's from Toulon, and so nobody gives a shit about that. So, um, mm. but yeah, so um, I, I just with that in mind, I, I assume that he will understand the club well or the the region well the the city well the needs of the fans and so on you know as you said Fiorenzo I remember the first time you got on you came on the pod every gen and I know this is maybe not fair to say but a hell of a lot of people in that part of France support Marseille especially if they they they, they grew up in that area you know at a certain time so you know I, th- I think it's fair to say that he's probably going to understand the importance of the club to the to the local communities um so yeah it's kind of you know I'd much rather that than Jacques-Henri Ejo who for me is from a million, mile, a million miles away, you know what I mean? He isn't, he's the kind of guy I can imagine being the president of PSG, to be honest. Like, not, um, maybe not in the current, um, you know, Qatari PSG, but Jesus, not, let's, let's not. hope so, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, Bujalao seems like an exciting prospect for that, for those reasons. Um, I like the, the, the stuff around the med, you know, this idea about, 
making OM this club that represents the Mediterranean, that ha- appeals to the, the the communities. You know, if you think about Marseille, it has a big North African community, a large Algerian community. I think it's, what, 30-something percent of the population in Marseille um, is of Algerian origin. But there's also, you know, other, like, Tunisians and, and so on as well, maybe in much smaller scale. But... So I think that Marseille has a very unique identity as a city, a port city in the Mediterranean. I think this is the right move for Marseille, you know, to have a club that really, like, speaks to its its geographical um, location and identity, that tries to to target fans internationally from that region. It's a city with a really strong Mediterranean culture. So absolutely, I, I think that Marseille should be targeting those kind you know, like and, and marketing itself in North Africa and the Levant, because I think that that is uh, those are regions where Marseille can really uh, make an, an, a big impact, um, you know, finan- and, financially and and really build its yep. profile. And it will have done in the past, but we're losing now. You know, we're missing. You know, um, PSG have completely like overtaken us in our international profile. You know, there was a time um, where Marseille were really big. Um, in a lot of African countries, you know, I've talked a lot about this to um, colleagues of mine from Congo and stuff like that that grew up when Marseille were a massive club, and and you know, and you you lived in a French-speaking country in Africa um, several decades ago. You know, Marseille were the club, you know, and, and French football is what people are following, but that's not the case anymore. You know, they're following PSG and Chelsea and stuff like that. So I think that we we do really have to. Um, you know, and I know Ero does this. I know he's really thinking about marketing and 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 thinking about setting up roots in in other in other parts of the world. But I do. I think we we are missing out a bit nowadays because we're we're not at the level that we are. And you know, football has changed. It's so globalized. Um. So yeah. So I think this Mediterranean thing is exactly what I want club to do. Um. I think. Uh, yeah. So that sits really I, well I, with I, me. You, you, you're right. So just a quick one. You're right on um, on what Iro is trying to do, but you've you've got to give it yourselves the means of your ambitions. And whereas you know you've, for fuck's sake, on the one side you've got him doing a, a, a tacky press conference last summer to announce Uber Eats as a new partner, and then on as you said, you compare that to PSG, who who obviously paid millions and millions to get Michael Jordan as an ambassador, and look at the look at the revenue that it's generated for them. So. He's he wants Ero wants to do that, but he just doesn't have the means to. Yeah, but you can compare with PSG. PSG is cheating about the sponsor, you know. Well, I, hopefully, hopefully this consortium, if they're Saudi, do the same and use the same loopholes that PSG have. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not sure that people will ever really um, accept Ero. I think he's just too much of a joke. You know, I just I don't know. I just he there's well, just something he's, lacking. He's pissed in him. himself against the wall too much too often now. Anyway, I mean, that's another subject, but yeah. I, so, I, yeah, yeah sorry, if I could just jump in. I mean, I think what you've just mentioned is that there's so many sort of positives of, of why sort of this deal looked intriguing and stuff. Um, and obviously there's, there's so many sort of good points in that, you know, we can build a, a regional um, sort of base um, of, of power, you know, and we're going to get the means to sort of build something better, which probably isn't just going to come in this current context of globalised football where, you know, I think... You, you know, to to really mean something in Europe, we're going to need revenues of three hundred plus million a year, um, which is you know currently we have about a third of that. Um, 
but on the other hand, you know, like things that the, the alarm bells that just sort of started ringing for me yesterday is that both of you know the the people that were mentioned in the media, both Bujalel and Akarius, um were sort of a little bit non-committal. They were like, you know, you know, like the idea that they wanted to disengage from the project. Um, you know, Bujalel has Toulon on hand, and Akarius is like, yes, it's real, but my involvement in it, I don't really know what my role is in it yet. Um, you know, it's 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 there, but it's not also there. Do you know what I mean? And you know, we'll see on Monday and Tuesday just how prolific and profound this is. And I wonder if Bujalal will keep a running comment of things as they happen next week, or whether this is the last we're going to hear for it for another like three, four, five weeks. Um, but right now, it's just a mirage at the moment. This this deal. Um, we'll see what happens Monday and Tuesday when, as they say, Frank McCourt will get his offer. And I think we can sort of dissect what's going on. That 700 million is clearly bullshit. I mean, um, you know, I think it, was, it came out from Le Figaro last night. Um, 300 million does make sense in terms of a purchase price for McCourt. But if, if, if they do have the means to go up, up and up, will McCourt really say no? Because he will get everything he's put in uh, to OM and then some, you know. For him, it will represent a decent a, a decent profit. Yeah. And he's already withdrawn from other sporting projects that he has. I think it was a global champions tour, the horse racing um, event that he you know he, he sold uh, recently. Um, so I'll be surprised. And considering, you know, things haven't been plain sailing um, in Marseille for him, it's been a bit turbulent. So if he does receive 100 million above, you know, anything he's put in, 100 million profit or 200 million, um, I'd be surprised, he, you know, he, 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 if he if he refuses that, just for more uh, potential pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, the yeah the only statement I would add is it, it, personally this this McCourt project since its inception has always felt like a stepping stone to try and get the club into a certain state of normality and stability to then make a profit and send on to someone else and and this is despite potential property investments and interest he has in Marseille. But yeah, that, I think that echoes what you're saying, Mo, which is I've always felt he's he's an intermediary who's setting it up for something bigger. Hopefully it's the case. Yeah, well, I I think, if I can, I think um, I think he if uh, Marseille has an offer uh, and Macourt can get his money back, he's going to accept. That makes no doubts. I think Macourt already regrets to have put money in the club because you know Makut is not a really football fan uh, the thing is I think just Ero just like I don't know how to say that but I think Ero just made him f uh, f a wrong promise you know just saying you can get money with French club uh, you can't make money with French club that's a fact you can't even PSG lost, lose money every year but that, they don't they don't care because they have uh, plenty of money and they, that just for the um, the communication of Qatar. So if you buy a French club, you can't make money with French club. You lose money. That's a fact. So if you want uh, an investor in Marseille, it has to be someone who knows that he's going to lose money with the club. Uh, you can't say, uh, I don't know, to uh, Saudi Arabia or uh, Bahrain or a country like that. You can't say you're going to earn money with uh, French club. It's not possible. So if Makut can get his money back, he's going to accept the offer. The thing is, 
I, I don't know about the communication of Bujelal where he, you know he just talked about the Marseille offer and he was in the the local of uh, Toulon club. You know, that's really a big offense for Toulon. It's like, uh, you know, uh, someone is going to buy by Marseille and he's talking from the, the Bordeaux uh, uh, local so it's weird yeah this whole communication is weird That that's the thing that makes me doubt because you know if you have a like a, a state like uh, Saudi Arabia or uh, Bahrain or something like that you have some someone who can buy a French club they're not gonna scream it scream it everywhere and I think the 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 offer is not as strong as he's saying. That, that 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 is the main thing that worries me is if this is all him bigging himself up in the press or putting pressure on Toulon to get the club for cheaper or whatever. It really worries me the impact of this not going through now that it's been pissed all over the media's because he will he will naturally being the character he is he will come out and defend his position and say no no we had an offer. The courts to to blame. He didn't accept it, um, and it, and between ourselves, you feel more than anyone will probably look at that and think bullshit. Your offer was probably only half there, and and you just didn't have the money that was convincing. So he failed. But the impact it will have if it if it doesn't go through now, after all that's been said already, even though it's still early days, the fans. If, it, if he comes out and says, oh, we had an offer in the project, the court said no, good luck to him, the fans are going to completely fucking... There's going to be riots and revolutions all oh, of yeah. next season. And it's going it's it's to have such a negative impact on the club. Oh, yeah, it's going to set the velodrome on fire. I know. that Maybe that's what uh, Bujelad is trying to do, after all. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a complete mess. The thing is, I think they... There must be some other offers from for OM. You know, I think it's not the only offer. Uh, so maybe Marseille is going to be bought in few weeks. I don't know, but maybe not by uh, Bujelal and his friends. Maybe some other who came from behind. You know, just like we had Makut coming from behind, from nowhere. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bujelal has a big big echoes of the Gerard Lopez affair, doesn't it? Well, this yeah, has been yeah, said, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Um, Mal Bruno, um, the journalist specialist in the Middle East, isn't it? Is it is, is, he said. Yeah, do you think so? Because a lot of people seem to think he's quite a good source, but he, I believe, he said that there was, you know, some Russian oligarch or something who's been linked. I don't know if that's, yeah. So I don't know too much, any, m- I, much more about that. But in yeah, the, there was, a, yeah. I, 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 sorry, come on, go on. I, I personally think that anybody who's going to be the next buyer is not going to be a private individual. That's just, I think, you know, you know, McCourt bought OM in 2016 because of the price, because of the press price and how easy it was. 45 million was next to nothing. Um, and in the context of today where there's new TV rights, it's the Champions League qualification, they now are exclusive operators of the stadium. They've got much more control of their ticket price and, Basically, every other aspect of the club is now increasing. You know, global brand, marketing, um, you know, youth academy, everything. Um, and if they're going to buy OM in the Champions League, it's going to be to, you know, to try and build a title-winning team, try and you know disrupt, disrupt PSG's hegemony, etc. It's going to be, it's going to have to be, you know, state-owned funds. It's going to have to be very, very rich individuals. Um, 
over multiple times. So, yeah, I, I, I just can't see it being an, another sort of you know, investor or someone with interest. I think, I think what I agree with what Ben said. I think this could all sort of fall apart and might be a sort of a ploy over, over something else. Guys, you've been too, all been too negative now. Just going back to some, I think one of you said something about the Macron thing. To be honest, I think that if there really is funds coming from Saudi Arabia or the Emirates, then it makes sense to involve, to get the backing of the government because I've seen what's happened to Newcastle United and, and the fact that BN Sports have really, you know, tried to, to block that takeover. I think that if we if we if we do have a potential takeover with funds coming from those regions, you want the government on board. So that to me makes complete sense if that if, if that is the case that those funds are coming two, from there. Two two points yeah, two points just on that stuff. I mean, first of all, yes it makes sense. And Macron actually this week reopened dialogue with Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. That they had been very cold relations, but he's re- he's now repaired those relations. Apparently, they, they had a very good productive phone call earlier this week because the Elysee tweeted about that. Secondly, PSG, Qatar did the exact same thing when they bought PSG. They went to, to Sarkozy. Sarkozy made this deal very sweet for them, made helps them invest in a lot of Paris property and services and all those things. And then they gave him, they returned the favour to him when they bought Accor. And they made it, they've now made him non-exec chairman of Accor. So it's very credible that they could be doing the Saudis could be doing the same with Macron. Okay. I've one last I've got one very quick one word question before we move on to the next subject. Um, and it's for you, Fiorenzo. If Fujira was um leading this takeover and it was either uh, Turon or Marseille, who 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 would you rather it um benefits from it? Sorry, He's my friend. Can can you repeat the question? So, Sorry, I'm saying if if, if is leading this takeover, right, and it's either a Sporting Club de Toulon or is it Marseille? Who is your preference to benefit from it as someone from Toulon and a Marseille fan? I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah. Marseille, of course. Oh, good, good. You're allowed back on next time. Then. That's good. <laughs> exactly. You're not blacklisted. <laughs> Yeah, so there was a lot of things I wanted to cover, but we've not got a lot of time left. So we'll just do these topics really quickly, I think. So the first one was the sporting director role. Last time we did the podcast, we talked about Olivier Picou. Um, We weren't really that supportive of the idea that he could be the replacement for Zubi Zeta. That one's kind of gone cold, to be honest. He's denied any contact. A couple of names have come up recently from Spain. So um, I think it's Pablo or Paolo, Pablo Longoria, former Valencia sporting director and former Barcelona sporting director and I think Liverpool assistant manager. At one point, Pep Segura. Does any of those names interest you? And if, if so, which one would you prefer? I'll go with you, Fiorenzo. No one. She actually pleased me with your last question. I, I would even prefer Eva Longoria than uh, the other one. No, seriously, uh, no, no <laughs> one of these. You know, uh, Longoria and Segura, they, they were not so good in Spain. Uh, a lot of criticisms, just like uh, with Zubizarreta when he arrived to Marseille, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, fans from Barcelona just said he's bullshit, he's not doing anything. Well, I think that's the same thing. You know, um, you you won't have a, a good uh, a director 
right now. You won't have a, a good uh, a good man coming to the club right now. You know who's gonna come to Marseille when we don't have money and we have to sell like half of the team. You know you won't have a, a, a good one. So yeah, most of these names are really average. Maybe Pico is the 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 less worst of the of those. I 100% agree with you. Um, I only think that they've mentioned the name Longoria because uh, Tony Parker is now involved with Lyon and Olas. I think that's the only reason that names come up. But nothing to add, 100% agree with you, Fio. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know that much. I'd never even heard of him before, but I looked at his uh, resume and I thought it looked quite interesting for someone so young, but I don't know. I mean, to be fair, Valencia, from my kind of... um, you know, personal opinion, I've always thought com- repeatedly signed shit players, personally, although they've got a pretty decent squad right now. They signed so many players where I'm always like, why? Well, you just bought Mangala? You know, I don't know. They're a strange club, but they're, I guess they're a club that I've always, for a number of years, have had a lot of financial problems. But yeah, he's seen, looking at his resume, it does look quite interesting. He's been at a few clubs and various scouting roles and things like that. So I thought, you know, who I think the I think the problem with these individuals is the minute they're mentioned, straight away, the, the following sentence is, oh, by the way, he's also linked with so-and-so club. And with Longo, yeah, they said he's apparently linked with Red Bull Leipzig. And Red Bull Leipzig have had a very, them and Salzburg, the Red Bull group have had a very solid strategy in, in European football in the last few years with success. So... I think it's too easy. It's like with a buyer, you just say, oh, this this well-known businessman who's got contacts with Vladimir Putin in Russia or Fingy from Saudi Arabia is apparently interested in the club. It's just too easy. The rumour mill is too easy at the minute. Right. Okay. Sorry, someone got a final point there. Yeah, just just uh, one thing. Uh, the, the problem with these kind of guys, they just, they used to work in big clubs with a lot of money, you know, but it's not the same work you have in Marseille. When you have uh, 60 or 70 millions to buy a player, it's uh, quite easy to buy the player. You know, when Zubizarreta was in uh, Barcelona, he just uh, bought uh, Neymar, he bought um, Ter Stegen, some, some player like that, but he had a Suarez lot of money. Well, yeah. So that was easy. But when you come to Marseille and you have like 8 million to buy a player, it's not the same work. To be fair, Valencia, not really had a lot of money, but um, anyway, so just thinking about the Mercato now, quite a few names been linked to us, despite the fact that we've got no money. The first one I may ask about pro- seems like probably the possibly the most likely one, you know, that we might be able to sign is um, Papa Gay, um, so young um, French Franco Senegalese midfielder from the Av. And he, although as we know, he's um, signed a contract with Watford, although that's kind of gone a bit sour. Do you think we're going to get him? That's really my question. Are we going to get this guy? Pro- no. Probably not. And only because um, it's messy. Um, and I'm pretty sure that if OM do manage to tell him, they're going to have to play hardball with Watford, who will demand uh, a significant uh, compensation fee, a transfer fee. Um, upwards of what they paid. I think it was five million. I think they paid for him in the first instance. I might be wrong. No, no. They, they signed him on the pre-contracts. He was always so. Yeah, he was already out summer. of contract. Exactly. So yeah. they all demand. So they the, the five, anything the five million figure. Yeah, the five million figure is apparently what they've quoted as. Yeah, apparently. Which, which obviously in a normal situation, five million is pretty much nothing for a player with sort of huge potential who who who's 
who who seems to have his sort of um, head screwed on right. You know, he thinks he was badly advised and going to, you know, from League to, to Watford, um, you know, right into the rough and tumble of the Premier League isn't exactly the best um, career move at the moment. Um, so, you know, we've 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 sort of um, rude uh, missed chances a couple of years of signing, you know, uh, tenacious midfielders um, from the lower ends of League 1 and, and League 2. Um, and this is a fantastic opportunity, but I'm I'm just not sure as to what the legal ramifications or the um, the, the the mess that we could find ourselves in with Watford could be. I mean, obviously that being said, if Morgan Sanson leaves for forty for forty million, um, then I, I suggest you know we probably do have five million spare to sign him. He would be a very good signing, I think. Um, so yeah, wait and see. We get rid of Stripman, we'll be able to pay that with his salary. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even even <laughs> if you lose, uh, if you sell Lopez, you know, even if you sell Lopez as a as a as a, oh. as a replacement, well, you, I know you, you don't want to. You've said this. I, he's got a profile we don't have, which is physical. He he could be our next Zombo and Gisa. Maybe he'll be better than Zombo. But exactly what Mo said: if you sign him for five and you sell him for thirty in two years, that's a win situation. Um, I think the, the big thing to bear in mind is you're you're saying what for the playing hardball or whatever they could, yeah. But right now, what for the 19th in the Premier League, aren't they? So they're going down. So um, that makes it even less of an attractive destination for him. Enough about Gay. I wanted to ask about the next one, which is the name that's kind of probably got the most headlines. That's in Bai Niang. We've talked about him before in the pod because he's been linked with us a number of times in the past. Um, but maybe a bit divisive, I think, opinions on him. Uh, Fiorenzo, I'm going to ask you, do you, what do you think Niang could we sign him? Should we sign him? Yeah, for, uh, I don't know, seven or eight million euros, I would definitely take him, but not for the price Ren are asking for. They are asking for something like between 15 and 20 millions. I think that's really, really too much for him. It's, it's a good player, but he's, gonna be, he's not going to be the like a, a top player, you know. Yeah, I, I think if we, if we can have him for uh, eight million yeah, that, that would be a good signing, but no more. Not not that much money. Anyone else? I think with all the news of, of potential buyer, I think we could do so much better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so over the last over the last sort of couple of hours, I've just been thinking that we could do so much better than any. But you know, I I I would be uncomfortable spending twenty million on him if that's the price that's being quoted. Um, we, if, go on. We we don't have twenty million. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> we don't, yeah, have, the problem we don't solved. Have five game, we <laughs> there don't we have go. <laughs> yeah, um, there's been talk of so many discussions that have been happening over the past month or two. Um, as you know, as Nyong has been in in Marseille and stuff, and it, it could be an interesting profile. You know, he's played around Europe. He's he's got a decent scoring record, but I just the finances on that just don't appear well. Um, unless unless the impossible happens and that. Man goes for about fifty the other way. Pjanic and Arthur situation. Yeah, we could swap them both. This one's really strange to be honest because we yeah we don't have any money. I I think I don't think there's anything to it. I think it's bullshit. I mean I think Ren have said they had no contact, haven't they? Um, I just you know if AVB knows they've got no money, I just highly doubt that that's the player that he's pushing the club to target and. 
personally, I, I, you know, I, I'm agree with you more. We could do so much better. You know, there's better players we could pick up for less than him. I I don't see it with him personally. I mean, maybe I, I don't watch him week in and week out, but I remember him. I remember him when he was at uh, Con, and he was um, sorry, and he was about sixteen or seventeen, wasn't he? And he looked like quite a young raw talent. Then he went to AC Milan, and I remember watching him a couple of times, and I was like thinking. I was really shocked. I could not believe this guy was playing for AC Milan. I thought he was fucking yeah, terrible. Same. He was so bad. Some of it, often his first touch is is it's a bit Radonich-esque actually. Sometimes you know his first touch is so poor. Um, he makes really poor choices. He's just a very frustrating player to watch. Yes, he's got pace. He's got a bit of power, but. I, I, I don't I don't think he's worth it. I think he's um, someone who's got some kind of raw attributes, but I don't think they all mash together well and make a, a make a good player for me personally. So but, unless but, something significant yeah, has changed with him, I'm not I'm not supportive of that. Yeah, that's the problem. Is on paper he's got everything of the journeyman. Like if you look at his career and his, his um, where he's been, it, it resembles a Bamiyang a lot because he went to Milan, it didn't work out. Then he had to work himself and build himself up again in, in lower teams before he got his big break. Um, the problem is, I just don't think he's got that mentality, that hardworking mentality. And he, he looks like a cheap man's um, Usman Dembele with the same lack of personal investment and, and mental, mental strength and motivation to, to push on. Different style of player, though, but yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, That's the same sport. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so um, I, there were some other players, actually. I don't think we're going to give time to cover them. They've been linked to us. Maybe um, departures. Oh, do I really want to depress us? We mentioned Lopez. He seems like the most likely one to leave first, let's say. Um, Fiorenzo, you don't seem to be so keen on that idea. Can you just say why you don't want Lopez to leave? Well, I think he has a profile we don't have first. Um and the thing is, I really, really like this kind of players, but I think he, the Liga doesn't fit to him. He's going to be better in Liga, but the thing is, I really like this player, so I don't want him to leave. But I know for him, it's, 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 it would be better for him to leave. Liga would fit him really, really good. Uh, I think he's a really, really strong player. With a, like, uh, He's good for a long pass, a short pass. Uh, yeah, he, he has everything I love, but the thing is, he doesn't have the, you know, the the physics. You know, in in France, in Ligue, in Ligue 1, you have to 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 play against uh, really tall and strong players in midfield, and he he can't do that. So maybe yeah, in Sevilla or some club like that, he's gonna be better. But I really like him, so I'm not really. Uh, I don't want him to leave. I think you're probably right. Um, I've always agreed, you know, with that view that he'd do well in a league like Spain or Italy. But I think that the qualities that he has, Roger has, but Roger can play in Ligue 1 well. So I, 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 for me personally, like, I do think that we, we, we have someone in the squad that can do a lot of the things that Lopez can do. But anyway, um, I'm going to move on actually and ask you other, the others to answer something else. Um, some... Final bits and bobs of news recently. Firstly, Dimitri Payet signed a new contract on reduced wages. Are we all chuffed about that? Yes. <laughs> um, look, I mean, th- th- he, he gets pissed on a lot and 
other other fans from other clubs like to take the piss out of his trophy, his trophy hall, which is none. But um, let us, I think Niro, to be fair, he actually made the very very point, you know, straight to the point statement is he's played for Marseille for nine years. He's he's been part of successful teams that haven't won trophies, but we've enjoyed you know good success and good visibility, and, and he's been very you know very good performer for us overall. He's when he's been good, he's been outstanding. When he's been bad, he's been really bad. Um, but look, you know, this is a guy who sacrificed winning a World Cup to to play in the European Cup final for us, and he got injured and missed out on the squad. And he's always said he loves the club. Lots of players have said that down the years, and you know, you've never really show, seen it because they've ended up leaving on the transfer, or leaving on the free. So to Gignac, you maybe obviously not necessarily their fault because of the financial context then. Um, for him to come out and make a sacrifice, even though there were loads of rumours, weren't there, about the club asking the players to take wage cuts during the COVID crisis, etc. And apparently he he said no, I can't because I've I've got you know I've got loans in the bank and mortgages and all that shit. He's just come out and completely shut up all the detractors because he's made a massive financial effort for the club he didn't need to make. Nothing obliged him to make this effort. And I hope that that serves as an, ex- an example to people like Tovan and Mandanda, who, who are very similar to him in the way they communicate about their affection and love and respect for the club and the fans, but are yet to show it. And he's just set, he's just set the, the standard that they will now have to follow if they want to continue playing for this football club. And I hope it has the same influence where I, 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 I follow NFL and I make the analogy with the, the, the New England Patriots. You had players like Tom Brady and Ron Gronkowski who would star performers in the league and won lots of Super Bowls they they both made the conscious decision to never never ask for a pay rise and to take a low salary so the rest of the squad could be strong and they could always be surrounded by good players and so that the club would benefit from it and hopefully this is this is what Payette is doing and that's the way it works out No idea about those references but fair enough Ben Okay so Payette quickly others are you happy about that? Yeah um, I, you know, I think obviously, you know, if you can look at it with a cynical eye, he's probably extended um, an additional two years of guaranteed income. Um, but you know, like like you said, you know, given the current context, he could have easily stayed on half a million a month um, for an additional two years. You know, for for for, for good. Um, and what he's done is, you know, we are, we are going to benefit. He's he's thirty three. He probably still does have two years at the top still left him and then after those two years um, he'll be on the players you play uh, sort of contract and then moving moving into some backroom role. It's a fantastic gesture. It's one that I'm actually looking to people like Stemman Dunder um, to, to sort of look at, you know see he's enigmatic as well um, and it sets a really good precedent um, as well. You know, we've complained so much about, you know, people not showing their love um, for Marseille. So he's, he's done he's, he's done a great job and it's a great sort of uh, gesture. Okay. <laughs> He's quite old, so that's my only worry. But I am really keen with now with this potential takeover to um, see my dream um, front trio of Tovan Payet and Griezmann for Marseille. So um, hopefully, like that's <laughs> the, him signing his new contract allows me to enjoy that. Um, well, they're all still good <laughs> and not about thirty-five. But uh, anyway, um, I'm going to move on. And Fiorenza, I just wanted to ask you quickly um, about the fact that we've had so many young players sign new professional contracts recently. I just wonder whether you think any of these players, are we at 
are we going to see any of them ever break into the first team? Because I know over the years we've seen many young players sign professional contracts and then we never see them get first team activity. Yeah, so do you think there's any there's real substance to this? Well, um, well, I think that's going to depend about well, if the club is uh, is sold, you know, we're talking about the the club being bought. Uh, if if that happens and like some big owners just uh, buy the club, it's going to be hard for them to play in the team. But if we remain like we are currently, so no money. Yeah, they're gonna play. I think because we don't have a choice, we we're gonna have to buy uh, to sell. Sorry, a lot of players. Maybe Sanson. Uh, yeah, maybe half of the team. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna play, and I think that's a that's a good a good thing because uh, we we asked for it uh, like for years, you know, like. For ten years, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people in Marseille just asked for young players to be in the first team and play because we have a, a really really good uh, young players in uh, in Marseille. Well, not maybe in OM, but in uh, the city. I mean, so yeah, we're gonna see uh, the 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 result of the work uh, from uh, Zubizarreta what he made for years because apparently uh, I've been told that uh, he he made the the, the formation better so we're going to see but yeah I think that's a that's a good thing and we're going to see yeah I think they're going to play a little bit next year and maybe more the the, the next years I'm quite interested to see um, if in, maybe not next season but in the coming seasons if we do get to see this Bertelli chap I've read a lot of good things about him that he's a really interesting young talent um, but yeah, we'll yeah, see. He just needs a haircut, but yeah, he needs <laughs> yeah. a haircut. But other than that, <laughs> I think um, I, I, I'm not going to be cynical. I agree with with everyone here that it's positive. We finally seem to have an academy that we can call upon to produce players. And let's face it, if we hadn't have signed them, someone else would have, like we've seen with Liegi. So you'd rather sign them, and even if they don't play or they're not good, you you still get some money by selling them for three million down the line. Um, I saw. I actually looked it up earlier. Um, one of the key considerations is we have to register eight homegrown players for the Champions League squad, and we only had six on the books. So we now meet that quota with all these kids having signed. Okay, so last question, actually, before we finish, just a quick one. New kits. What do we think of the new kits? Love them. You love them? Um, not the third one, um, which hasn't yet been released now, being that they... Um, um, I'm hoping they sort of take a rain check on that one and, and see where they've gone wrong. But the the home kit is lovely. I mean, it's, you know, we can't do much about the sponsor. I think that's the only thing that takes away from it. Um, and the away kit, I think, is just super interesting. I like seeing sort of wacky designs and sort of left field um, homages. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's looking good. I think I, I like it a lot. I've seen the, I've seen, I've not seen the home kit. I've seen the away kit in real life because a couple of the guys. We play football every weekend and a couple of the guys have bought it and they, they have it. It looks really good. Interesting fact is that, um, you know, it's the, the automotive with the little houses and stuff and the, and the um, Notre Dame de la Garde is, is on, the, on, the, on the shirt. Um, depending on the batch, so there's a, there's a, sh- there's a batch number on the, on the little authenticity badge. Um, the, 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 they've not cut the cloth in the same place for all the shirts, so different batches. The, the Notre Dame de la Garde is actually in different places on the shirt, which gives it a really unique feeling. I really like that. I think that's brilliant. 
I'm not so sure about the away kit to be honest. Um, and with the the image, I I don't really see how it's um, it's not that obvious to me that those 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 houses are Marseille. To be honest, I think I feel like well, look at it, it could be anywhere. It looks like it could be like Shevchenko or something like that. I don't know. Just no, a, but but you Steph, know, a bunch sorry, of houses cramped in together. It's, but. It's, no, Steph, it's a Marseille artist who, an artist from Marseille yes. who, who's drawing those sketches. So that's the link. I know, I understand. Yeah, of course, but yeah, I just for me, yeah, I'm, I'm not so, I'm not so sure about it. But maybe if I see it in the flesh, I, I will feel differently. You know, it is unique, so it might be quite interesting. You know, when, when to actually see it, and, and maybe I'll think differently. And with kits and not, you often can't really tell until you see them. Um, I really like the images I'm seeing of the, the home one I've actually bought it I'm still waiting on it arriving um, I liked, I was quite really interested anyway as soon as I heard that it, that it was going to have that um, Le Corbusier um, inspired design of um, Unity d'Habitation um, because I like that building um, I stayed in it I like Le Corbusier as an architect I think some of his work's really interesting um, and I have done for a while so yeah that one I was like cool yeah, I'm really keen to see that so but yeah, maybe I'll I'll get the the shot and I'll be like, oh fuck, I don't like this. In which case, yeah, you know, you never know. But yeah, what about you, Fiorenzo? Do you are you happy with the kits? Uh, the the home the home kit, I think it's amazing. It's really quite simple. It's really what we need, you know. Uh, it's really really simple. It's white. It's all what we need for the the away kit. Um, I don't know. I think it's weird. <laughs> And uh, the thing is, uh, uh, with Puma, we have like a really, really tight uh, shirt. So it's going to fit on Tovin, but maybe on Payet, I don't know. We're going to see if he eats a lot. We're going to see how it turns. <laughs> he, lo- he, did look, he did look skinny in the press conference earlier, guys. Ah, he did look nice. skinny in both terms. So. Um, I get Fio, 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 key question. Is it better than Racine Toulon's kit? It's a rugby too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no. Um, ah, the sporting. sporting. Yeah, is it better than sporting? Uh, the sporting Toulon is really, really ugly, man. Good it's, answer. <laughs> it's yellow and blue. It's, it looks like shit. <laughs> Don't think I've seen that, to be honest, but I'll have to look that up after, after the show. Okay, guys, I think we're kind of past our, our limit today. We're probably best call it a night because we've talked about a lot and it's getting late so yeah thanks very much guys everyone for taking part it was fun i know there was a lot of subjects and we probably couldn't do them all justice you know but um we tried to cover as many as possible but yeah um i should say that hopefully we'll try and get some more content out there soon when we've got some more news maybe next time we do an episode we've been sold and we've got some very rich new owners and exciting players coming to the club who knows but yeah thank you very much guys and thank you all for listening yeah. worst case scenario pre-season starts soon so we can cover our uh, hopefully we win the EA League 1 games again <laughs> <laughs> thank best you best in the world <laughs> <laughs> cheers guys goodbye guys see ya